the competitive 40K Network presents Art of War. Art of War. Strategy and tactics. Discussion with the best players on the planet. Your hosts, Nick Nanavati and John Damaris. Nick Nanavati and John Damaris. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Art of War podcast. I am your host, the one, the only, the brown magic, Nick Nanavati. Some even say the Tom Brady of 40K. Who dare? Um, I'm joined today by not John Damaris, but my other favorite John, John Lennon. He's here to help me break down our guest's list and ask the hard-hitting questions, like why he took his units, or how does he play 40K, or how does he wear hats and make them so stylish. Uh, these, this is this is why you come to our podcast. Um, but we're joined today by Matt Morisoli, Art of War coach from Down Under. He is from Australia. He's been on the show once before to talk about his crazy chaos list featuring keepers and uh, all kinds of beasts of Nurgle goodness stuff. Uh, but this time he's on to talk about a different faction. He has just brought down an 80-person GT, or major, I should say, with the new latest and greatest hotness, Drukhari. And that's your card list is a little bit, a lot of bit different than than something I've been running, so I'm super eager to talk about it. John, how are you doing today? I am fantastic. Always happy to be here. Always happy to be talking quality 40Ks with some quality people. I'm really excited to hear what Matt has to say about his Dark Eldar. Wonderful. Matt, what's going on, my man? Oh, man, it's uh, a normal time for me to be recording for once. It's fantastic. I just, uh, I can't wait to, yeah, to talk about Dark Eldar and all the all the goodness with uh, a couple of other great 40k players. Awesome. Well, I'm very excited. Your normal time is my super early in the morning, but we are here. We are energized. I got a coffee in hand, and you can walk us through our list. So why don't you tell us uh, exactly what you ran and how it runs? Yeah, cool. So I'm running the Triple Patrol variant uh, of the new Drakari. So pretty much if you're building one of these lists, it's Triple Patrol or it's uh, the uh, the new cool Real Space Raiders attachment. But I've got two uh, patrols of Cult of Strife. So the first one, I've got a uh, succubus with uh, Adrenalite and an Agonizer. So Adrenalite is the plus one attack combat drug. Uh, and I've got the Bio Warlord trait for a Quicksilver Fighter, and I've upgraded the Agonizer to the Triptych Whip. So that's the chick who rolls in with 12 Poison 2 plus Agonizer attacks and just goes and butchers whatever infantry unit she touches. She's really, really good. Um, next to that, we've got a... Uh, a squad of 10 witches um, that have been upgraded to Blood Bride. Sorry, I should mention that uh, I've got um, I've got Show Stealer on that. Oh, sorry, I- I've totally messed this up. The the second unit is the Blood Brides. The first unit is just witches. Uh, we've got uh, a squad of 10 witches with a Agonizer Hecatrix, uh, a Chardonnay and Impaler, uh, and Adrenalite on those as well, as well as five units of uh, five-man unit of Incubi. Um, in the second patrol, we have got the actual Show Stealer Succubus, my... Uh, mistake just before uh she's rocking the razor flails competitive edge um and the dark lotus toxins this is the the one that's probably not going to exist in a couple of weeks the one who rolls in with literally a million attacks or more like 40 but um she goes in she kills stuff uh she's really really good um there's a squad of 10 blood brides rocking with her um there's a agonizer on the hecatrix as well that squad is running um plus one strength uh, rather than plus one attack I've then got a small unit of witches, a seven man uh, running plus one attack as well, and no upgrades in there. Uh, then 14 Hellions. Uh, and then I've got my Dark Technomancer detachment uh, to, to round it all out with, uh, with Drizar, two squads of five racks with uh, two liquefier guns, two squads of five Incubi for three all up, um, two squads of five Scourges, both with four blasters, and then 
seven Raiders, uh, three of which have disintegrated cannons, two of those have uh, grizzly trophies, and the other four are just bare bones. Uh, and that's it. Awesome. Really, really tight, concise list there. Tons of witches, raiders, hellions. You got the good stuff. And of course, my favorite, the Rackrefires. A um, couple things stand out to me. And one thing I want to hit on first right off the bat is there are no cabals in this army. You have done come for the double witch and, and coven. What was the thought process between skipping a third of your book? Um, I, I don't really like the cabal stuff. I, I feel like the army kind of shoots well enough on its own. I'm not getting much combat from the cabal stuff outside of the the court of the archons and i just sort of I, I felt like this stuff was more my play style um that being said i have cooked up a few versions since where i go single cult of strife double dark technomancer detachment and i just chuck an archon in there because having the guaranteed fights last is really good uh but i, I just don't feel like the army needs any more shooting um i didn't feel like i needed the the courts of the archon um obviously there's a, a pretty good argument to be made to have all the raiders in a black heart detachment uh and that there is sort of it's I didn't get to test enough, and I knew that the uh the dark technomancer raiders were really really good. I knew three damage uh disintegrated cannons were going to be really good into into my local meta. So to, the, the reality is I didn't have a lot of time to practice with it, and I just went with the first thing I wrote that felt really strong, and I put on the table. Well, it certainly seems like it worked. You had seven raiders in here, all of them dark technomancer, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, that is fantastic. Now, I also see that you went for a mix of the grizzly, or I'm sorry, of the disintegrator cannons and the uh, dark lances. Uh, was there any thought behind that ratio, or you just wanted to, to diversify a little? Uh, so, really funny story. Uh, I actually had three venoms in there to begin with, and I didn't realize I couldn't use dark technomancers to get plus one to win on the venoms because they're unmod uh, unmodified fours now to wound. Um, and I realized that halfway through one of the two practice games I played with this list, I literally swapped my army out in the middle of the game and put Raiders on the board instead of uh, instead of Venoms. And I felt like I needed a little bit more volume of fire, so I ran those three with um, Disintegrated Cannons. In hindsight, I probably just run all, all Dark Lancers. That's what's in all my new lists ever since I've written this one. Um, but that's sort of how I arrived at that. I just sort of I subbed it in. I felt like I needed some, some bulk three damage shooting given how many Dark Angel players I knew we were going to have at this event. Um, and I honestly, look, I, I feel like the lances are sort of just as good. Um, that's, uh, that's how we arrived at that, uh, that weird mix though. Honestly, uh, I'm not surprised you found the Dark Technomancer Disintegrators a little lackluster. I tried them. They sound super hot, you know, plus one alone, three damage Disintegrators. Who doesn't love that? But they, they, without the, any rerolls, I feel like you work really hard to get a wound onto the enemy. And at that point, just shoot a Dark Lance. Um, but, uh, I don't know. How did you find the dark techno raiders in general like they don't have access to lightning fast which is a bit of a a problem you know they do do damage themselves so they die a lot faster than like any other type of raider was that an issue for you or were we just flying around being awesome um on the dark lances it didn't matter so much the the dizzies did um did overheat quite a lot again i i, I probably wouldn't run them again i feel like they uh I felt like they were going to be combating a problem that I didn't really need to combat in the end. Uh, the army is just so good at dealing damage that uh, that you don't actually need the the three shots on the raiders. So I, I, I would go all dark lances. Um, like I said, uh, I feel like that's probably probably the best version of the list. Um, but this is just sort of what I arrived at, G given I had two practice games with um, with the whole army before I took it to this event. I didn't have a whole lot of time to to fine tune and to really get where I wanted it to be. But after I played a couple of games, this felt really, really strong. Um, and, you know, it performed you know, really well on game day. So I can't really complain too much about that. So you mentioned that your army does plenty of damage. Walk us through what this army looks like as a whole on the battlefield. Like, 
How do you like to play the army? How does it inflict its damage? What is this going to look like when you're playing it? Yeah, it's it's interesting because uh, I've been a Dark Eldar player for a long time. In the last couple of years, I've stayed away from the book. And when I got out of playing it, it was really just the army that flew around and had Blaster Shrewborn and Venom shooting out and, you know, huge MSU. And it was just a shooting army. And this is kind of the opposite because this is really a combat army. Uh, so what I was finding, obviously, everything starts the game in a, you know, in a, Raider aside from the uh, from the Hellions, and I was sort of just trying to hide as much as I could behind cover, on the chance I don't go first. Because at the end of the day, you do have really delicate units. But um, w- when I first opened the book and I had to read through, getting advance and charge on the second turn is just it, it, it's the most ridiculous thing in the whole book. It, it's just such a force multiplier that's uh, you know th- that makes all of these combat units so powerful. So I was really just you know deploying my uh, my army, um, you know, trying to play for secondaries in the first turn. I was taking things like banners and I was hopping characters out of raiders to put banners up and things like that. But then I was just trying to stage them up, uh, get all the raiders towards the center of the board as well protected as I could so that on my turn two, I could just get units out of the raiders, move, advance, charge. Uh, obviously, I've got Cult of Strife, so I have access to the, the one CP to ignore Overwatch. So I was using witches to go in and ignore Overwatch and tag multiple things. I was throwing Incubi in, uh, you know, rolling on Tormentors, a couple of Raiders with Grizzly Trophies. So I get, you know, get the minus two leadership off on a, a couple of units to make things fight last. And I, I was really just pushing my army towards the middle of the board, hopping units out, running across the board and charging things. Um, the Witches are so, so fast and that you can sort of spend, you know, it costs you a lot of CP. You can spend four or six CP on a unit of Witches, but you can make them do a lot of damage. Uh, you know, it's it's quite unreasonable. I, I, I did charge a squad of Dark Angels Terminators at one point and I killed five. And I was probably a little bit over on the on the math there, but uh, you know the, the amount of damage that this hundred point unit can put out when you pump the CP into it is um, is pretty incredible. Uh, similarly, the Hellions are, are, are great for going out and assassinating a character, and because it's all so fast on that second turn where you have advance and charge, your opponent just can't stay out of your threat range. Uh, I remember in one of my games, I put three raiders in a, a central ruin on a board and my opponent was measuring, well, how far can you get out of this raider and like, what's your potential threat range here? And I was all the way back behind the two objectives he had in his deployment zone. There was just nowhere he could go. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to play the board with this, get in the middle, charge things, you know, turn objectives over to mine, take my opponent's banners down, steal primary points. Uh, and because there's so much MSU, there's always stuff left at the end of the game. Okay, Awesome. Did you find that, I mean, obviously, you know, Drukhari have so many moving pieces. They're a great army at playing the primary. Uh, did you find that you were winning the games more on primary, more on secondary, or were you just dominating on both halves of the game here? Yeah, there were only a couple that were close. And the, in, in the games that were the closest, um, I was uh, I, I was far ahead on the primary. I, I have so many, so many units I could just jump around and... You know, I, I think I scored a 45 uh, in every game except for one where I think I scored 40. It was just... The army has no problem at all scoring primary. Um, some of the secondaries are a little bit trickier, uh, depending on what you play for. H- having access to, um, oh, I-, I can't remember what it's called, H- Herd the Prey. Uh, having access to Herd the Prey is pretty good. Uh, it kind of forces your opponent to come at you. And when you have so many different you know, combat units, that's a, that's a really good thing for you. It makes your charges easier. It you know, lets you sort of have access to your opponent's moving parts easier and you know, let- lets you thin them down and get their, their armies to a more manageable size. Uh, but, but really, I, I was playing for primary um, and I was picking secondaries that kind of coincided with my game plan to just score primary. I was picking things like banners because I want to be on objectives anyway. Things like Herd the Prey because you know, if I'm forcing my opponent to come at me, uh, I'm able to you know, then attack them from my home objectives. Um, and 
yeah, that, that sort of thing tended to, uh, to to work pretty well for you know for my sort of play style, and that, that's why I think I really liked the list. It just it felt like I could just play the primary and deal heaps of damage, and my secondary choices just tie into you know what the army wants to be doing naturally anyway. So let me ask you a bit on secondaries. I know in my latest versions of lists, I have been including uh, 135 point units of slits and ergols to be Wally Stanley fights that are pretty beefy. Not because I'm in love with Wally Stanley fight and want to take it every game, but because there are games where you play against something like Dark Angels and there's no good mission specific secondary, and you you can take your herd the prey, you're engaged in all front domination, battlefield supremacy category, and then you could take that banners scramblers category. And then you're kind of, what do I take for my third one? So you don't really have a good while we stand, we fight option. Is that something you wish you had built into your army or did you just get by? And then how did you do that? Um, yeah, I do. And, and I've actually addressed that with, uh, I guess, the 2.0 of this list. Um, so I've taken a big unit of racks uh, in my, my newest list. The Hellions are still while we stand and that's not ideal, but I have found they're a little bit more durable than you'd think they would be, so it's pretty easy to use them and keep a couple of guys alive and just run them away. Um, but yeah, I, I've made that now so I can play while we stand with the Hellions, Drizar, and a big unit of racks. And look, Drizar obviously is not the not the tankiest character in the world, but you can use him kind of like a scalpel and just fight things where he's safe uh, when you want to play that. And obviously the racks can hang out in a raider for the whole game if they have to. Um, if they're scoring you five points, that's kind of okay as well. Um, when so you say a big unit of racks, do you mean like a twenty man? No, no, I, I'm just just a ten. Um, a ten with uh with with two flamers uh, makes it enough points to be a to be a while we stand. Nice. Um, so yeah, I, look, I didn't have it in this list again. This is sort of the the product of only having a couple of practice games and not getting to play a wide variety of armies, you know, with the list before I took it to a tournament. Um, and these are sort of the refinements you get when you, you know, everyone sort of has that 2.0 version when they're writing a new list. Um, and that's one of the things I built into it for, uh, yeah, for next time. Oh, yeah. I think it's super interesting, just, you know, the process here. Yep. So yep. out of curiosity, uh, what ended up uh, getting cut to make those changes? I mean, obviously the list did very, very well for you. Were there any units that you felt like underperformed that you were maybe hesitant on going in that this tournament kind of cemented how you were feeling? Um, so I think it's all good. Uh, I've uh, I've taken the the Razor Flail Succubus out because I I've got a very strong feeling she's not going to be around in a couple of weeks, uh, and rather than um, you know continuing to play with her at other events where I know she's not going to be allowed in the future, I've just sort of I've decided to pull that out now. Um, I, I've gone lots more racks. I, I've I've gone to five units of racks. Um, the Liquifier racks are just so good. I I, I realised they were very good when I wrote the list, but I um. I realized just how good they were when I started playing games with them. Uh, so I'm trademarking to- their name as Raquifiers. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll make sure I use that one. So ba- basically, I, I've I've cut it up. So I've got the Cult of Strife Patrol with the the same the same succubus with the whip. Uh, all the witches go in there, uh, and the Hellions. Uh, and I've cut one unit of Incubi as well. Um, that's not ideal. I don't I don't love that, uh, but it you know, sort of is what it is to get all the extra racks. Um, so I've got four units of five and one unit of ten. Um, and I've also cut the scourges down. Uh, one unit's down to just shredders. The other unit's gone altogether. Um, and all the raiders have dark lances now. So I put the blasters on the scourges because I felt like I didn't have enough anti-tank. Um, in reality, just having all dark lances on the raiders, I don't need the scourges. They were, weren't very reliable anyway. I needed to get more infantry units into the Technomancer detachment to buy all the transports. So that was sort of the the, the other part of the thought process there. It was either five bare mandrakes so I could have 
you know, five scourges with blasters for, you know, for 25 more points. And I sort of thought that was going to help me solve the anti-tank problem, but in reality, they just sort of didn't do anything. Um, so that's kind of the reshuffle. Uh, there's, you know, a lot of moving pieces there, obviously, but the combat units in the list stay the same. That also lets me make Drizar Warlord too. Uh, and that's a, a pretty big deal. He's much more efficient when he's Warlord than when he's uh, not rocking that Warlord trait. Yeah, I was actually, I'm glad you touched on it. There were a lot of units I had big question marks about, the Scourges being one of them. I personally detest Scourges. I think they're they're still awful. Um, I know I've seen you now run two units of five with Blasters. Mark likes them a lot. I've seen Sean run two units of uh, Heatland Scourges. So a lot of diversity in the Scourge land, but I'm of the They Suck camp. How, you, you seem to not like them too much, and you're down a squad with just shard carbines. But how, what was the thought process there, and and how do they perform? Now, so I, I, I kept it with shredders, so not not carbines. But um, look, I, I brought them in with blasters, like I said, because I didn't think I had enough anti tank. I didn't think that four raiders would be enough. Um, they were they were okay, but they they're just not very reliable. Um, you're having plus one to wound dark lance with D three plus four damage. That that's a, a really reliable anti tank weapon. Um, and the blasters just feel a bit lackluster compared to that. So the scourges were more often after my first couple of games. I just realised, oh look, they're not really doing what I want them to do. I'm just going to use them to do actions, jump around. Um, I, I, I took scramblers in one game, and they were good for scramblers. Um, you know, they, they, they just sort of they, they don't really deliver a hundred points worth of value when a hundred points gets me a whole squad of witches that you know have the potential to kill you know so many different things. Um, so I just found that I was getting better value out of turning you know, one unit into, or well, one one unit and the guns uh, coming down to um, to shredders gives me 120 points. That's two units of racks right there. Uh, when you look at it like that, it's pretty easy to to make the decision on what's better for the list. Yeah, for sure. I definitely like you've only confirmed my my thoughts on the scourges. It's not that they're a bad unit, but like 100 points when your entire army is so cheap is not an easy pill to swallow for five dudes that. It twice basically i'll actually take matt's side here i like the unit with the shredders just because i think with the blast rule it gives you something that the list otherwise lacks mm -hmm. the consistent pickup of like 10 guardsmen or you know maybe even something like pox walkers without sending a witch unit into them yeah that's that is really nice like having a little bit of firepower to clear some trash stuff that's actually a weakness to dark elder i found especially in the variations we're seeing like your list matt even at seven raiders with dark lances, and that's pretty much the extent of your shooting, save for liquefier X. Liquefier X still, in a way, have to commit because of their twelve inch range. So, um, killing ten guardsmen without charging them or committing real units to them is, is quite problematic. So that's where the scourges, I do think, um, offer some value here. Now, on that note, I guess you have Hellions, which which do contribute some degree of firepower. Were they ever a shooting threat for you, or were you just like these hide until it's time to punch something? Um, yeah, I, I, I played into Mortarian, and they shoot Mortarian because they kind of have nothing else better to shoot, and they do a couple of wounds there. Um, what's actually really funny, I found them quite good. I played into um, uh, an army that had nine uh, baby knights, nine of the the. A mix of the war dogs and the the Helverins and the uh, what do you call it the the auto cannon dudes uh, and the Morax knights and I played into that and I actually found they were quite good. They spent the two CP to make poison weapons work against vehicles and they finished off a uh, a knight that I really needed to get rid of. So that was pretty cool. I actually like having a unit that makes use of that stratagem. Um, it's not always good, but uh, occasionally just having a unit that can shoot twenty eight poison shots, you know, it does mean that you can get good use out of the the two CP to make poison work against vehicles. 
Uh, I've never used that strap, but that's awesome. I've always wanted to. Yeah, it, it, it's it doesn't seem great, but the army has the army has a lot of CP, right? And if you don't actually need all of it for combat buffs, you need to spend it on something. Um, and that does like a, a pretty actual decent chunk of wounds off of a combat knight. Or if you need to kill a a rhino and you can't, you know, you, you can't dedicate your uh, your dark lances to it for whatever reason. Or if you send the the hellions in and they need to help demex something to get to what's inside. That stratagem is just really valuable, and I like having a unit that I can use it on. Um, mm-hmm. Realistically, they were just a combat unit. They were they were flying around the board. I'd, I'd much rather spend the two CP on eviscerating flyby than I would on that stratagem. Uh, but sometimes you don't have that option. Sometimes you don't have a good target for it. Uh, so re- realistically, man, they were, they, were, they were just shooting shooting whatever was around, not really doing a whole heap of damage. And I was using them as a, a flyby and a combat threat. Yeah. Just, just an interesting sidebar here. It's really cool how we found different solutions to very similar problems. So, like, you have the Hellions. I don't. That's a big stark difference between us, and we're going to cover that a little bit more. But uh, I agree. Sometimes you do want a little bit of firepower from your poisons to just help out. So in my army, lately, I've been running some Trueborn, like a 10-man unit. So that's seven dudes in there with splinter rifles. I put them in a raider, give it splinter racks. It's not much, but it's 14 shots at 24 inches. And what I find is, like... When there's like a custodies dude with one wound left, I could spend a million dark lances trying to get him to fail that invul for one wound, or I could put enough saves to mathematically do that wound on that guy, then start shooting a fresh dude where the damage actually matters. Same thing with like a rhino with like a wound left. Like, I don't want to shoot dark lances. That's just, that's so bad value. So let me chip that wound away. So things like random phantasm grenade launchers, random poison, like, that's very useful to Dark Elder because if you just rely on Dark Lances, your damage becomes very bursty, and that's not awesome all the time. Um, but anyways, I digress. So let's talk about the Italian some more and, and go into exactly how you play this unit and what it does. I think it's probably one of the more controversial units in Dark Eldar. You, you're, a lot of people I know are in the I love Hellions camp. A lot of people I know are in the you don't need them camp. And then some people are like the what a Hellions do camp. So why don't we just break it down? Yeah, um, man, I, I rate them. I reckon they're absolutely sick. I, I, I think they're such a, a, a cool unit. They're, um, they're, they're, they're such a fun unit to play with. Uh, you, you feel like you've got this, like, I, I, I like playing MSU armies, but I always want to have some sort of hammer in it. And the Hellions really feel like that hammer unit that's sort of, you know, cohesively bringing the whole army together. So the Hellions are kind of priority number one when you're deploying the army and making sure they can hide properly. Because if they get shot at, they are just going to die. They, you know, they, they got two wounds and they got T four, and that's great. But they're rocking five plus saves that they're just going to die. So I've been trying to get them to sort of again a very central position on the board where they're safe. So I've got the biggest threat range to come out and you know, and strike and fight with them. Um, I'm running hypex on them for the plus two move, which I can double to plus four if I ever absolutely have to go super super deep with them. Um, what I really like is that they do damage in the movement phase with uh, eviscerating flyby. So uh, I've got no psychers, obviously. I don't have smites. I don't have things like that. They can do damage in phases outside of the shooting and assault phase. Uh, so the first part about them that I really like is that they do damage in a different phase to the rest of my army. Um, there are it, it, it's it's a pretty intangible benefit. It's kind of hard to explain why that's so useful. But there are just times where you want to kill things before you start shooting, or there are times where you want to you know, do damage to something before you, you know, you shoot your first Dark Lance. Uh, there are times we want to kill something to make space so you can move another, you know, another unit there, right? There's, there's a lot of different reasons why doing damage in multiple phases of the game is really good. Uh, and the Hellions... Yeah, just just are, to touch on that, sorry to interrupt you, right. Matt, but I want to I wanna just kind of 
create some scenarios to show exactly how that is so useful. Like you can get yourself out of close combat so you don't have to fall back. You can uh, clear screens in the movement phase so you can deep strike into the holes by deep striking there. Um, like Matt was saying, like you, against Satans or, or things like Gaz, where you need to do damage in multiple phases to do damage to them successfully, like this is an opportunity to do it. Like this is a very underrated tool, I think, just the timing of this damage. So I do want to just stress that as a really like I have not been running Hellions, and I think that's the most attractive part to them, in my opinion. Yeah, so a very, a very practical example. I played against uh, Gus, who's one of uh, my very good friends, and he was playing a Harlequin list, and I used the flyby to kill uh, a couple of random Harlequin troop models that had been left over from a vehicle explosion. Um, they weren't really doing anything. They weren't really a problem. I was going to kill them from shooting or in combat anyway. Uh, but what that let me do is I killed those models. And then because of where they were, I couldn't deep strike my scourges where I wanted them to be in that game. So I killed those in the movement phase. I moved my Hellions out up next to another transport. I deep struck my scourges, which then shot and killed that transport, and then my Hellions were able to kill the unit that was inside there. Uh, whereas the Hellions shooting alone, uh, they were able to shoot a whole different Harlequin troop unit and kill that as well. So I've essentially killed a full extra Harlequin troop because of uh, my timing where I've used flyby to kill something in the movement phase, drop my Scourges in a really attractive place uh, for my overall game plan. Um, so that's a really valuable tool. Um, like I said, obviously, Dark Elder, I don't have smites and things like that that can do stuff out of phase. Smites don't actually help you do that specific strategy, but just doing things in different phases obviously does have a value. Um, they also have bulk two damage. Um, that's really cool too. The Incubi kind of do the same thing, um, but not to the extent that the Hellions do. And the Incubi don't have access to um, the two CP reroll to wound. So that's another real benefit to them. They can just get bulk, uh, you know, AP one admittedly, but you know two damage attacks um, with rerolls to wound in the game I played against knights. That was really good. Uh, in a lot of the games I played, um, th th they've just been really good combat where you don't have anything else in the army that dishes out a high volume of multi damage. Um, so those are kind of the reasons that I like them. Now I don't think the unit needs to be fourteen strong. I've dropped it down to I think it's twelve in my most recent list. I feel like uh, the average of six mortal wounds is enough to kill most of the random characters. You want to have that ability to um, you know to kill like a five wound character. So twelve on a four plus on an infantry character, you get six mortal wounds on average. I'm pretty happy with that number. Um, they're, they're, they're a really good, really good solid unit, and I really like them. Uh, they are expensive, obviously, and they do take a while. We stand slot if you want to play for that um but i think the sort of the the pros outweigh the cons here all right so i think that that was basically all the units that i had questions about um honestly um i really do like uh, all the different tools that you put in the list um the only real question i have is did you ever consider reaver jet bikes for a similar role to the hellions they do kind of fill a similar role you know they both have access to the flyby they're both very fast i think the uh you know the Hellions are definitely better in combat. The Reavers are a little bit faster and well, still not slouches in combat. Did that comparison ever cross your mind or was Hellions just clear winner whole way across? I guess just to follow up on that, ever consider both to make use of that, uh, the strat where they compete against each other and give each other plus one to hit? I think the strat's very good. Um, I, I don't know. I, I feel like if I really want plus one to hit, I'll just wait till turn three to commit them. Um, in terms of Reavers, look, they're technically 10 points. They're not really 10 points. Um, I did the honorable thing and I didn't take Reavers at 10 points a model. Uh, 
Uh, I know other people did, and I shamed them very, very publicly for doing that. But um, uh, I, I feel like the Hellions just do a little bit more. The Reavers are faster, uh, but the army's already, you know, plenty fast, and the Hellions do move 16 with Hypex. So I, I think that the Hellions are the better choice for me. You, you get... Uh, what do you, you get 11 Reavers for the cost of four Hellions. So it's sort of wildly different, uh, you know, value proposition in terms of what you're actually getting. I just think the Hellions being better in combat and those bulk two damage swings are really what sold me on them. Um, and also, obviously, as we mentioned earlier, having a target for the, you know, the, the bulk splitter rifle, uh, splitter pod rather, shooting and using the stratagem to use that into vehicles. Uh, th- th- those were sort of the reasons why I picked the Hellions. Um and I, I, I think for me, at least, they're better. Re- Reavers aren't a bad unit. I feel like they're probably a little bit too expensive at 20 points model. But if they were much cheaper, I guess we'd see them everywhere. So it's a pretty, you know, it's a pretty hard line to, uh, to draw there. Um, but I really like the Hellions. I think they're really cool. I think the models are sick. I think they play really well. They're a really fun unit to use. And it feels like you've got a real powerhouse unit that you're sort of bubbling away behind a ruin, getting ready to strike with. I don't think I feel the same way about the Reavers. So one of the big concerns I have about the Hellions and one of the hesitations that's kept me from really trying them, I've, I've tried them one time and, and like they did fine, nothing spectacular, but uh, is the fact that your army is not small. Like you can condense it into being in seven raiders, but that is still like quite a large footprint. These raiders are, are very lengthy. They got sails that are super tall. They're pointy in the nose. Like they just have a lot of, it's really easy to get angles onto raiders if you're playing with just ruins and you have to be behind them. So if you're doing that, and then you're also trying to hide a unit of Hellions, like you run out of real estate pretty quick, and then your army just gets seen. You go second versus guns, this creates real problems. Was that an issue for you at all? Like hiding your whole force, or no? Uh, well, I, I was never able to hide everything, man. When you got seven Raiders and a big blob of Hellions, you, you can't hide everything. Um, the Hellions are smaller than you think. Like, I don't know if you were playing with a big unit of this size. They fit into spots I didn't think they were going to fit into so well. Uh, and hiding out of light of sight isn't the only thing you can do. You can hide out of range uh, of a lot of guns. Um, you know, you can you can wait till your opponent's last couple of drops. That being said, this army does drop very quickly. It's, it's, eight, it's eight units I placed on the board. But you can wait till your opponent's dropped a few of their, their bigger guns and try and put things out of range. I kind of just accepted that I was probably going to lose a Raider you know, sometimes two on the first turn if my opponent brought guns um, and preserving the Hellions was a bigger priority. I don't even think many of the games where I put the Hellions sort of in a, you know, a prime bit of real estate for for hiding boats, uh, it actually would have helped me save anymore because people get to move, people get to find angles. When you've got this many things you're trying to hide, it's just, it's not feasible to, you know, expect to be able to hide everything. But you've got to make it as hard for your opponent as possible. Definitely. I mean, that's that's very similar. Like, I ran six raiders, and like I couldn't hide six raiders. It's not like that was the difference, but certainly couldn't hide six raiders plus unit of Hellions. Um, that said, also, there's the other looming threat, which is just indirect fire. There isn't much in the meta, so, you know, that's promising for Hellions. But Admech are an army, and they run Scorpius Disintegrators or Bombers pretty much every time, one or the other or both. And then there's guard. Not that you're seeing too much guard, but they're definitely packing some mana cores and things of that nature. Um, realistically, that's mostly indirect fire. You'll see. You might see some hive guard, but all of this is very bad for Hellions. So, what's your uh, what's your take on that? Plague burst crawl is really bad for Hellions because they're plague blast. burst crawlers. I yeah. forgot about that as well. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. they're blast, they get six hits. So that that's really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like lightning fast on the Hellions if I'm going to get shot at. 
Uh, I, one of my practice games that I played was against Grey Knights and they've got Astrolane and that's just awful. Uh, so I put them in Deep Strike that game because I didn't want to get Astrolane off the board with uh, uh, the Cyborg ammo. Um, and I kind of played the whole game without Hellions, to be completely honest. <laughs> um, you, you, look, you're, you're right. And I, I think this is probably something that will come when I've had more, more games with the list, more games with the army, because I'm realistically coming at this from a couple of practice games and one tournament, albeit you know a tournament that went really well. But I haven't played against all the heavy indirect fire. We, we don't know what's going to happen with Admech. That that's being released in a couple of weeks, so we'll see what you know what, what happens with the whole Admech faction. But I can't see them making Scorpius disintegrators any worse than they already are. They're you know a pretty solid unit, but they're by no means too far over the top. So I don't think they're going to get worse. Um, yeah, indirect fire is potentially a problem. I do think against guard, the Manticores really want to be shooting boats and trying to demech you rather than shooting the Hellions. Um, and you do always just have the option to put them in the webway portal and deep strike them. That's kind of how I looked at it. I thought if I'm ever just going to lose this unit on the first turn, I'll just deep strike them. I'll accept that I'm not charging until turn three and I'll use the rest of my army to uh, to go forward and to tie up the things that can shoot me. Um, luckily, I only had to do that in my practice game. I didn't have to do it in any of the games at my... Uh, in my major, but um, that was kind of the game plan going in if that was going to be a problem. Yeah, for sure. So it's interesting. You're basically, the way you're describing using your Hellions to me is exactly how I envisioned using Hellions, but I decided they they will help me win the games that I was probably already going to win because I'm just running my opponent over, and they're not going to help me in the games that I find very difficult where I'm getting blasted across the table by indirect fire. So to me, they seem like a win more type of unit instead of helping me with my hard matchups type of units, um, which I mean, you just won the GT and I didn't. So like, who am I to say here? But do you think that's a fair assessment? And like, as you get more practice, you might look at cutting them or is this like they're just here to stay because they are that awesome when they're awesome? Yeah, I, I don't know, man. Um, that, that, that may be very true. Uh, I'll have to wait and see. I'm actually playing another GT this weekend uh, with the exact same list. So I'm going to have some more data pretty soon. I'll be keen to see if they do as well in uh, a team environment as they did in the singles event. Um, you, you could very well be right. I, again, I, I feel like they do a lot of cool things that allow the rest of the list to function, but I'm also given I'll now be relying less on the Scourge Deep Strike, uh, maybe I care less about killing things in the movement phase. Um, I, 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 you, you may be right, though. So 238 points buys a lot of stuff in this list. Uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of units you can get in an army that's sort of already you know, spread out in MSU like this. So, you know, if they get cut, the list is only going to get better with more stuff being added uh, added back in. Um, we'll have to see if, you know, whatever I decide to switch them out for, if I do decide to switch them out, sort of, you know, m- makes better use of those points than the Hellions are already making use of right now. All right. I think that we've spent enough of this podcast at talking about Hellions. John, was there a question you wanted to ask here? Um... Honestly, let me think here. I I really like the way that your list is, honestly, it's trying to do a slightly different thing than the one that Nick and I have both actually been uh, teaming up on. Um, I think that Dark Elder just have so many different play styles that it's really hard to compare if one list is right or wrong. Obviously, you just won in GT. We've been having some pretty good success with our version. There's so many different options with Dark Elder. Did you ever get kind of the analysis paralysis of... There's so many good things, I can't possibly fit all of this in 2K. Was there anything that you left on the chopping block that you really wanted to get in? It just never quite fit? Well, this list started, so we, we wrote this list because uh, my, my team that's going to this team tournament this weekend, uh, one, obviously I primarily play Chaos Armies. I, I'm pretty well known for playing you know, 
really good chaos armies and one of uh my teammates uh wanted to play the chaos faction so i was like well what am i going to play because my other army sisters and my other teammates playing sisters so it was sort of like i don't know what i was going to play and i was like oh dark elder's coming out i've got this huge dark elder collection from five years ago so let's write some lists and i started and the first one we wrote was the triple void raven and hellion list and the idea was that you just drop the three bombs you use the flyby you just go and you kill a bunch of stuff that your opponent doesn't think can be killed uh and you win from there and we pretty sort of quickly realized that wasn't the right way to go um it seemed really powerful you know as a as a concept there's a lot of things you can do to get around it and after the planes do their bombing run they're kind of just flying around shooting a couple of dark lances not really being very relevant um if anything, like I, I would have loved to have kept one in. I feel like the psychological threat of the one bomber plane that can, you know, just fly over and kill someone's librarian or their chaos sorcerer just because they roll a little bit hot is, uh, you know, is a really big psychological threat. Um, but that being said, again, it was the same sort of thing as once we pulled those out, we pulled, you know, we pulled one plane out down to two, then we pulled the other two down, and like the 370 points you get by removing those planes got me the extra unit of witches uh both units of scourges and a raider it's like it, it adds up really quickly um I, I really like the combination of units that i've got here i said i definitely think the version i've, I've written for going forward with you know, all the extra racks or the the raquifiers as nick likes to say um i think that version is is a lot better uh unfortunately i'm stuck playing this one again for one more event which is the uh the unfortunate reality of submitting the same list for a couple of tournaments a few weeks apart um but I, I like this combination of units. It may, may not be the perfect, you know, most refined version, but um, I think they work really well together. Yeah, no, I, I definitely, I like your list. I don't think that it's like crazy or anything. You got just good stuff all over the place. And that's kind of what Dark Eldar is. There are some tech pieces which I think are interesting though. Like you skipped Mandrakes. I know pretty much all of the Art of War coaches are like, you got to run Mandrakes because they're just awesome for mission stuff and, and being a useful utility tool. What's your thoughts on Mandrakes? Mandrakes are cool, man. Um, I, I, I like Mandrakes. Uh, I didn't have anywhere to put them in this list. I, I, I could have. So, so the problem was, right, if I wanted Mandrakes, I had to drop Scourges. But if I dropped Scourges, I couldn't have enough transports. So the only way to really get them was to drop some Incubi that's in the Strife Patrol or to drop a bunch of Hellions down. That, that was the only way I could get them into the list um, just because I needed to have that number of units in the Technomancer Patrol. Uh, so I didn't actually have access to them on list composition wanting to have seven Raiders. Uh, I know it's a bit of a, a weird thing to say, given I have three open elite slots, but it just doesn't work out that way, unfortunately, with the transports. Um, you could have moved some Raiders over to the, like, the Witch Detachment or something. Like, okay, it doesn't get Dark Dactmancer, but on one land shot, is that really a big deal? No, m m maybe not. Maybe I was too fixated when I was writing the list on having, you know, just ha having all the raiders in that dark technomancer detachment, um, so that, that that is true. I, I definitely could have done that. Um, I think they're really good. I, I, I like one unit. I really tried to get one unit into, um, yeah, my my new and improved version. And I, I actually don't have it yet. That was the one thing I I really wish that I have. Uh, I've been able to put in in that version. In this version, I don't think I missed it too much. I felt like, you know, the only time I really want them is to you know put a banner up on a on a midfield objective or to just be annoying. But I also think if you go second, they just create a target for your opponent to charge something into and get some extra movement. Um, and I don't like that. Uh, I feel like they, you know, they, they do the same thing that Nurglings in the Chaos Army sometimes do where it feels great if you go first because you score, you know, you score a max engage and you feel really good about yourself. But if you go second, sometimes you give something a charge target you don't necessarily want to give them. 
Um, and given they're sort of they're almost the same price as Incubi, I just felt you know taking more damage threats was a better was a better choice for me here. They are very good though. Like I, I definitely agree they're very good. They're probably the only thing that I wish I had an efficient way to squeeze in. Um, I just didn't feel like I had a, a good way to do it. Again, this is coming off me trying to write a list in a couple of days to uh to go to an event. So unfortunately, I said I've said it a few times. It isn't the most tuned, most optimum version. And who knows? Maybe they make it into the next version you know, before I submit it to another event. I actually have. I just took Mandrakes to a small, like twenty-person but five-round RTT, and uh, they didn't do anything for me pretty much the entire tournament. But I still am not cutting them. So you know, Mandrakes. Yeah. Um, see. <laughs> one thing I I did really despise not having is I didn't have the Helm of Spite, which is a really esoteric relic. Basically, it's just deny the witch, and if you actually successfully deny the witch, your opponent suffers the perils. And not that that's so powerful. It's it's the chance to stop like a work time, you know. Yeah. But I'm not banking on the chance. Where I found it really matters is the psychological effect it has on your opponent when they're taking secondaries, because now you think twice about taking something like psychic ritual. You because. It, like you can take it, but if I just block you a couple times and you don't actually complete it three times with the same psyker, then and like standing in the middle of the table where Stark Eldar is hard. You might get it done if your psyker is super tough. Uh, the game I'm referencing in specific, someone tried it with a great and clean one. I wasn't killing that thing anytime soon. But uh, if I had Helm of Spite, he maybe he just wouldn't take Psychic Ritual, or maybe he takes him and I actually just stop him and that's 15 point swing. Is that something you ever had considered or thought about? So first thing, if you had Hellions, you'd be able to kill the Great Unclean one. Um, and secondly, absolutely. I, I, I actually, there were three times where I was like, man, I really just wish I had the Helm of Spite in this list. Uh, and that's why it's on the Archon who's in my, my Archon who's out of place in my new Technomancer patrol in my new list. So I've got an Archon with, um, with I think it's, is Ancient Evil the fight last one? I think it's Ancient Evil, isn't it? Like, yeah, Ancient yeah. Evil and the Helm of Spite on the Archon. I've got it in there. For almost the exact same reason, I just felt like I really want to have a way to, uh, you know, to deny this one key power that my opponent's always got. You know, people feel, uh, uh, I feel the same way because I play Chaos Armies. My opponent has no psychers. I feel like I can just be a bit, you know, a bit, a bit loose and easy with my, my sorcerers and they can, you know, walk out and they can do cool things. And they don't have to worry about ranges and things like that. And my opponent having the threat of a deny is um is a big thing because you can you know lose the game on not getting a warp time off, lose the game on not getting a death hex off. You know, that's a you know a very real thing. Um so it's in my new list for that exact reason. Definitely. You don't want to necessarily rely on these things to be your win conditions. They're super unreliable. But introducing loss conditions into your opponent's plan, that's awesome. So I do like that. Um all right, let's shift gears just two seconds and talk about secondaries a little bit more in deep. Sure. I know you had taken, you had talked about Herd the Prey to try to get people to come towards you. For those of you who don't know, Herd the Prey is a Dark Eldar secondary that's basically the same as Purge the Vermin from Necrons. At starting on battle round two, you get two points per quarter that your opponent is not in at the end of your turn. So you can basically just kill them out of your quarters and score points. And if they don't come into your quarters, you're just racking up four points per round, basically. Really nice secondary. My problem with that one, it's not really a problem with that one, is that. It's the same categories engaged in all fronts and domination. Dark Eldar excel at all of those. Um, so, like, how would you choose between those secondaries, and then what other secondaries would you take typically? So, Herd the Prey versus Engage. The real difference here is that uh, I kind of have to do work to get Engage, whereas I don't have to do anything to get Herd the Prey. I just need to kill stuff that's already probably threatening my objectives anyway. Um, if I keep my opponent out of two quarters of half the board, 
for the entire game, that, that secondary gets maxed. Um, so that's all I have to do. Uh, so realistically, I think Herd the Prey is just a better version of Engage, especially for an army that kills this well. Um, now, Dom's a bit of a different story. Dom's really good. Uh, and the only time I didn't take uh, Herd the Prey was when I took Dom because I took uh, Domination and um, oh, I can't remember the, the mission off the top of my head. The, the one where you got to score the sensor, I can't remember what the, the, the mission's called, but uh, the one where you get to the middle objective uh, in basically the, the five objective missions. So I, that was the only time I didn't pick Herd the Prey. Uh, I just feel like Herd the Prey is a better version uh, of Engage most of the time. Um, it makes your opponent work really hard to, uh, you know, to come and get you and to get models in your quarter. And a lot of the time, that's also a psychological thing where your opponent's like, well, I need to put units over here because if I don't, he's just going to score these points. And the reality is I'm probably going to score those points anyway. You probably just have to accept that it's, you know, I'm, I'm going to get a really big score on that secondary because you putting, you know, one Rhino or, you know, you know five, uh, three Nurglings in this table quarter and they're saying, well, you can't score that now. I've got my turn to go and do that and get there. Um, so that, that secondary is just a really, really easy big score for me. Now, outside of that, like, you know, the, the choice between, you know, between Herd the Prey and Engage is pretty easy. Like I said, Dom is, you know, another interesting one. Sometimes you usually want to be playing uh, for the center objective anyway. Um, and when you're doing that, you're sort of going all in on that game plan regardless. So that kind of makes sense. This army is pretty happy to, you know, to sit back and just to keep attacking the center from, you know, 15 inches away or so. So that's not really a problem. Um, outside of, you know, that, that secondary category, uh, the army plays banners really well. It's got so much infantry. You know, you don't care if five racks hop out of a raider and put a banner up and who cares if they die, it's five racks. You've got these three characters who can all hop out and stay screened by tanks. They're pretty happy to uh, to do that. But banners was, you know, one of my go-tos almost every game. Um, I've got a bunch of troops as well. I've got a bunch more obsec than I'm used to playing with. I don't play with a lot of obsec in my, my chaos list, so I felt really great having all these objective-secured units that I don't normally have. Um, so that was a really good one. Um, you can take scramblers. That is, that is also an option. I think I took it, I think I only took it once at this, uh, at this event, but I had a really good opportunity to take it. So I did, um, outside of that, it gets a little bit more tricky. Um, surprisingly, uh, taking grind them down is actually okay. Uh, if you can aim to kill more three turns out of the game, um, you're actually probably just going to win. And a lot of the times your opponent has, uh, you know, the ability to kill, a bunch of your raiders and once all your raiders die they got the ability to kill a bunch of your units but if you're um f firstly if you go second you can always control the number of units killed in the battle round so you can pretty much you know pretty reliably get that but secondly if you just attack the units that can easily demech the rest of your boats uh, i found that it was really easy to get grind them down i took grind them down twice and i got a 12 and a 15 for it um so that was really good uh it doesn't seem like it'd be good but it actually uh it actually does go pretty well um they're probably the core ones. I, I don't really have a good third secondary you know, as sort of my, my go-to, and that's a bit unfortunate. And that's, again, that's part of the reason why I've built while we stand into the uh, into the new list. You can play it with this one. It's Hellions, Drizar, and the um, and the Blood Brides. Uh, and look, Drizar's pretty safe. You can keep them pretty safe. The Hellions, you can pretty reliably keep safe. You really want to commit the Blood Brides. They're, they're realistically going to die. Um, so if you're happy with 10 points, you can just play you know, while we stand with this list. Um, but it's not really not really too well tuned and optimized to uh, to do that. I actually really like what you're saying about um, grind them down there. One of my favorite things to do is to kind of uh, pick um, my secondaries to offset an advantage for going first. So 
I don't think that Dark Eldar have to go first by any stretch. They can easily go second and have a good game. But I do feel like with their high speed, they are very good at going first and applying pressure. And Grind Them Down really sets you up for a good scenario if you didn't go first. Where my thought process is when I'm playing Dark Eldar, I usually want to go first. Again, fine if I don't. But if I do, I get a really strong advantage out the gates on primary. And then if you don't, you can get a much higher score and grind them down than you would have otherwise. So you're kind of hedging your bets and guaranteeing a pretty good score at some point or another. Yeah, I think you have to rationalize it with yourself at the start of the game and say, look, I'm not going to get this every single turn, but I've got to make sure that I play in such a way that I'm going to get it for three turns. And that might mean not killing units sometimes. It might mean leaving a couple of random dudes alive out of the units. You can kill them later on. Um, it might mean that you stay, you know, super, super cagey on your first turn so they can't kill anything and you can just sneak out and kill, you know, one screening unit or something like that. Um, it's just about being, you know, being sensible about what you kill and being realistic about your, you know, ability to score points with that secondary because, look, people took grind them down against me almost every game. I thought that was a bit odd because um, you might kill more for, for maybe two turns but if you're killing a bunch for two turns, I'm actually not going to have that many units left, and it's going to be harder for you to, you know, to keep scoring that secondary. Um, and yeah, I think a lot of armies can play grind them down. That on, you know, on on the first look, it, it appears that they can't, because uh, at the end of the day, someone is going to kill more every turn, uh, and it doesn't take much effort to make sure that's you if you're playing the game, you know, intelligently, and you're thinking about that secondary, you know all the time, you know, you know, through all your shooting, through all your assault, you know, making sure you, you make sensible decisions about when you kill things. Um, but yeah, I, I would really like to have, you know, a third good secondary sort of built into the list. Uh, so unfortunately, yeah, while we stand on the Blood Brides is not a not a great one, unfortunately. Yeah. Just just a follow-up thought on that grinding down stuff, because we got to beat the horse a little bit if sure. it dies. Yeah, sure. Um I, I had people take grinding down against me a lot at this past little RTT I went to for pretty much the same reason. You know, I'm playing against Dark Elder, they got tons of small units, I'm going to kill them, nice and easy. And what I found is Dark Eldar control the tempo of the game. They're just so fast yep. and so devastating when they hit that your opponent has to be defended against, otherwise you're just going to run right through them. Which means a lot of times they miss it on turn one, you might not yourself get it on turn one if you've chosen it, but a lot of times I personally use turn one just to like set up for like the game crushing blow coming on turn two or turn three, mm -hmm. where I'll reposition a couple raiders, move out of my deployment zone a little bit, maybe get those Hellions into midfield. But it's not I'm not exposing much and not doing much. Maybe they kill the raider on their turn one and I can shoot back and kill a small squad of whatever on my bottom of one. But it's really easy to deny grinds because the way Dark Elder plays is they're very control-based for a little while, and then they explode, and maybe your opponent gets grounded down on the turn they explode at you because, you know, here's 55 units in your face. But from there, they're only scoring like six points on it. It's just not that great. Um, is that is that typical of what you found? It's very much a tempo-based army? Yeah, you're probably right there, man. Um, I think when it was picked against me, I don't think I gave it up more than two turns. Um, re realistically, I, I think... Uh, the turn where I went and sort of made my my big multi charges and I put lots of my my witches and my incubi out into fight things. Look, they they end up scoring it back on their turn because you can't kill everything on turn two. Uh, but yeah, look, the the thing is right because the threat ranges are so large because you have such a, a big distance you can get out of these transports and go and charge things. People are playing 
so far back from me. They, they, well, they're, they're either playing so far back trying to avoid getting, you know, this, this crushing game-winning blow charge coming off on turn two, or they're just saying, no, nah, it's going to happen. They're screening out as best as they can and they're sort of bracing for it. Uh, and either way, uh, the same sort of result happens. You, you get everything out and it all goes forward um, and they probably end up killing those units. But you're also killing a lot in your turn. If you, if you go first, you're killing a lot of stuff when you're you know delivering this um, you know, this crushing blow. And you're not necessarily killing less units than they are on their retaliation. They're also not necessarily killing everything that you go out and attack with. If you get you know six units out of raiders in charge with all of them uh, and they're not all going into one place, they can only shoot so many things. They can't shoot the five exposed raiders you have running around the board, the three squads of Incubi that are in, you know, two of them over here with Drizar and one's over in a totally different corner, the squad of witches that's attacked their home objective that's, you know, stolen some primary points off them. They actually can't just kill everything. Uh, and people just didn't score, grind them down as often as they thought they would. And when I took it, I score it more, <laughs> scored it more than I thought I was going to as well. Uh, I, I, when I took grind them down, I was expecting to get nine. I was like, I could probably get this for three turns if I play you know, play smart and I I save my kills and deliver them all on one turn. Uh, and like I said, you, you got to be realistic. If, if you pick that sort of secondary with an army that has heaps of units, you know your opponent has a lot of counterplay into that, and they can go really deep into trying to stop you from scoring uh, grind them down. Uh, but if they're just picking it and you are not, they're not necessarily just getting it by virtue of you having a lot of units. There's a lot of things that you know that go on with your huge threat ranges and your ability to tie things up where they might feel like they're going to kill, you know, five, six, seven units in one turn, but they actually only end up killing two or three and all of a sudden it's a draw and they don't score any points. And, you know, it's really awful for them because I picked the secondary thinking they're going to max it and they end up getting six points out of it. All right. Well, that was a super interesting comment there. Before we move on to part two of this podcast, Nick, did you have any final questions? I do. I have one last question I want to ask Matt before we move on and talk about all the nitty-gritty details about how he plays this army tactically versus a variety of opponents in part two. Mr. Matt, if you had any one golden piece of advice to give up-and-coming Dark Eldar players, what would it be? Uh, be super patient and don't expose all your boats on turn one. Do your absolute best to get everything into a super good position for turn two. If that means sacrificing shooting, then it means sacrificing shooting. If that means not putting as many banners down on the first turn as you want to, then don't do that. But this army is so powerful on turn two when it gains advance and charge, you want to do everything you can to get the list into as central a point on the battlefield as possible while being as protected as possible. So you can deliver this really, really heavy, you know, often game-winning turn two assault with multiple units. Uh, I think that you know, you know the, the the amount of power that you have in these combat units, and the amount of like, the, the, there's three pages of stratagems for witch cult units that let you make your units more powerful. Uh, the combination of all those stratagems and being able to use different ones on different units to deliver multiple, you know, big powerful units into your opponent, the power of that is far more than the power of two or three extra dark lances. So be patient, get all your stuff to the middle of the board, deliver the turn two, you know, really powerful blow. Uh, and don't let your raiders get killed in your deployment zone before you can get the witches there because you're really going to regret it if that one Dark Lance misses and uh, you don't get to use the whole unit of witches because of it. No, I couldn't agree more. I think patience is one of the hardest things to learn in 40k, and the faster you are, Dark Yellow being the fastest army in the game, the easier it is to just put your foot on the gas, but a lot of times put your foot on the brake instead. Yep. Anyways, everyone, thanks so much for listening to this episode of Art of War with Matt and Drew Kari. 
We are going to see you all if you're a subscriber or if you're a patron or if you go on our website and do all that um, in part two, where we're going to talk about Matt's list and how he played his games in this tournament, how they went, how he plays other theoretical matchups, and just what specific tactics he he employs, how he deploys, how he, you know, how he does his thing. So see you over there, everyone, and thanks for watching. How could I forget? We actually have a very super special, exciting announcement. Just this week, right now, we are merchandising live on Art of War. You can get hats, you can get sweatshirts, you can get neck gaiters, you can get shirts, you can get mugs, mouse pads, objective markers, whatever you want, almost kind of, uh, with Art of War logo stuff on it. You can get it shipped right to your doorstep. This stuff's awesome. It's super high quality. It is uh, everything we use and love at Art of War. So you can go on our website and support us. And all the proceeds pretty much go right back into developing Art of War. You know, we're just putting more and more money into this so we can grow it and help it be as big as we can. So if you're interested in supporting us or just getting some really awesome swag and looking good while you're doing it, go check out our website, uh, theartofwar40k.com. There, if you're not a member of the podcast, you're a subscriber to get episode part two, you can get part two uh, with Matt Moore Sully on his chaos stuff. You can get the part two of uh, Art of War Down Under. We're going to be releasing a couple new podcasts in the coming weeks, so you'll get part twos of those, and along with this awesome super swag. So check it out, and thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Like what you just listened to? Check out Art of War Down Under, where we break down armies and new rules. Theartofwar40k.com This episode was brought to you by the Competitive 40K Network.